Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. It's wonderful to have Arlene here in studio as we replay our event uh, that just happened. This is our Empathy and Democracy series. This is the second one of a four-part series in collaboration with the Japanese American National Museum and the Democracy Center. It was incredible to have our special guest, Leah Endress, um, along with the Taiko drummers and, you know, some of her team from Nation Builder and all the people who showed up uh, and really get to explore the pop-up art installation, uh, the conversation, and the practice of really how to speak, you know, listen and ask, right? And And like, how do we speak from the eye? How do we listen for resonance uh, and ask those open-ended questions that are not leading, that really allow sort of new kind of reflections to emerge? And so we hope folks enjoy uh, this second live recording of our Empathy and Democracy series. And we hope to see some of you back in February for our third event in L.A. Cheers. Enjoy. My name is Jim Hur. I'm the director of the National Center for the Preservation of Democracy here at the Japanese American National Museum. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to our second edition of the Empathy and uh, Democracy podcast with our friends from Gratitude Blooming. Give them a nice round of applause. I've gotten to become very close to this team, although I've known Omar for probably, what do we think, like 15, 20 years now. Um, and he's gotten me into a lot of, of, um, predicaments <laughs> over the years. So I wanted to return the favor in a way. Uh, one of those predicaments was he asked me to be on the podcast, uh, almost a year. Well, he asked me about a year ago and we did it, I think in January or February. And, um, so I went back and I was re-listening to some of the podcasts and listening to some of the newer ones. And that's when, um, I sort of started to get these, this idea in my head of like, there's something here with, with like gratitude and democracy in our civil society. And, uh, through, if you listen to the podcast, you know, or maybe they don't know, so I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit. In other podcasts I've done, I've been, they do a pre-interview. With this, there's none. You just kind of jump into it, you pull a card and, the universe delivers what it's supposed to deliver for you that day. And so we get into this conversation and then everything just started like kind of clicking, like empathy and the need for empathy, especially in our society. Um, we here at the Democracy Center have been in the process of relaunching. And so we've been trying to think about what it is that we want to do, how we want to engage audiences, how we want to engage people. And we kind of look to many different things. Um, centered around the arts, centered around the Japanese-American experience, uh, which the Japanese-American National Museum um, collects in terms of story and history and people. Um, and we contemporize that for other audiences. And we look for solutions to uh, what's going on in the world today, just not... It's not just simply talking about things endlessly, but where can we find solutions? And we want to find, for us, we want to find them in, in unusual places. And this is certainly not a conversation that people are used to having around democracy, especially in the world today, especially when we seem so fractured. But I think that's exactly why we need to have these conversations. 
Um, the Democracy Center for me personally, um, the work is very important because growing up sort of as a mixed race kid in a time and a place where um, my parents couldn't get married in my father's hometown and um, I sat at a segregated lunch table and I was made to feel like what other people could have, I couldn't have. Um, a career in government, a career in politics was just something that was I was discouraged from because I wasn't white or I wasn't white enough. And so I don't want any kid anywhere to ever think that they don't have that possibility in their lives. Um, not any person. And that we should all understand that no matter what we look like or where we come from, who we worship, who we love, what our economic status is or what our, our immigration status is in this society, in this country, we all have rights and responsibilities to make sure that democracy endures. And that's what we want to do at this center. And we thank you for joining us on this journey tonight. Um, it's a very special one because we have like a band behind me. <laughs> I feel like I'm like Jimmy Kimmel or something. I got this like band and, and now everybody's going to expect that there's going to be a band behind us every time we do this. But we're really excited because on Ensemble, and I have difficulty saying that because every time I start to say it, my Philly accent comes out. So I want to say on. So the on Ensemble. <laughs> The On Ensemble is celebrating 22 years of just amazing artistry and performance. So we're just going to take a moment to relax, to arrive in this space, and enjoy this wonderful performance by On Ensemble.
My name is Arlene, and I am um, I'm an artist at Gratitude Blooming, along with uh, Belinda and Omar. I wanted to create a bridge between um, this uh, beautiful performance and uh, the art outside, and, um, and then the talk that we're going to see today. We have um, art that covers these themes uh, that we like to think of as, you know, the virtues and values of what it takes to be human. And so we have a collection of uh, cards that uh, there's not 39 different themes in this uh, set of cards. And we're trying to imagine how can we blend that art with the work that uh, is happening here at the Democracy Center. And what arrived was reimagining voting booths as reflection booths that give you an opportunity to really practice these themes. So what you're going to see out in the reflection booths are, you know, a sampling of the themes. And, you know, they're also on the stickers that we have. And we created these as um, almost like badges about how you how are you going to show up for democracy? How are you going to show up for your in your life? And so um, we hope that you'll um choose one and uh, wear it and have conversations with each other about them. Um, Arlene has just shared the intention of this beautiful art experience that you all entered into. And we felt this music, this energy of the drums helping to clear the space in our hearts to be available for the discovery that can come from discomfort. So just take a moment to just um, breathe into that, just being present in our bodies in this moment, just clearing space for discovery. What can come from being with the unexpected of the moment? I know we didn't expect this live podcast to emerge from Arlene's 100 days of illustrating these plants that they then became 39 themes in this physical card deck that now became a podcast. And I'm going to invite our dear friend Omar here to come and connect with Leah. So the two of them are going to have a conversation about democracy and what is that practice. And I would love for the two of you to share what value from the Garland of Fearless Gratitude did you pick as a beginning of this conversation? I picked trust, which um, I just felt like I really needed walking in here and it leapt off the, the page. Um, and I have to say, it's embracing the unexpected that the drumming I'm still like what just happened to me um I it the second it started 
I felt like it hit my heart in this very intense way. And I was like, oh, I might start crying, which is an interesting way to start this experience. So I'm just naming that in terms of trust. I'm rolling with it because it's still very um, present for me. Well, I picked mystery and it was not coordinated with Belinda. Um, and I think I've been doing a series right now um, with this guy named Bayo Okomalafe. Uh, and it's called Dancing with Mountains. And he's invites us in this moment to sit with the cracks. Oftentimes we want to jump to conclusions. We want to find solutions. Uh, and his invitation is just sit with the cracks and be present. And so to me, the cracks are the unknown and, and, and not rush to fill them up. Uh, because sometimes when we fill things up, we don't actually leave room for something new to emerge. And I think in some ways, why are we having these conversations is that we want new things to emerge. We've done the old ways many times now. And, and I think Jim, in inviting us to be a part of this conversation, you know, he's inviting us to participate in a particular way. Right. Uh, he's inviting us to participate, participate not just in a conversation, but through art in particular. And I think that's really the bridge uh, for this conversation around empathy and democracy is how can art express what we don't quite yet know? Like part of what I love about poetry is there's lots of gaps in it. There's lots of cracks and it leaves room for us to find our own interpretation and to find our own ways forward. And so I'll accept Arlene's invitation to read the poem. And really, I think it was Arlene, as we were talking about the pop-up art uh, installation, and I was like sharing some ideas. She's like, Omar, it sounds like you have a lot of ideas. Why? <laughs> Leah knows this as well. Why don't you take some time to sort of think about it? And so... Instead of using my normal sort of like uh, very analytical part of my brain, um, my sort of strategy side, I was like, let me write a poem and sort of see once, what wants to emerge. So the poem is called The Plant is Present. And I'll read it twice. Here we are lost in the wild of climate and inequality trying to reconnect to our humanity. Maybe in the flower petal we can see our hearts. Maybe in the pollen we can smell our soul attracting. The plant is present. Here, watching, listening, growing, breathing, still. Imagine flowers in voting booths growing out of composted constitutions, checking the box to our humanity. Just one more time. Here we are, lost in the wild of climate and inequality, trying to reconnect to our humanity. Maybe in the flower petal we can see our hearts. Maybe in the pollen we can smell our soul attracting the plant is present, here, watching, listening, growing, breathing, still. Imagine flowers and voting booths growing out of composted constitutions, 
checking the box to our humanity. And so it was beautiful about writing this poem was I was like, oh, I can put a flower in a voting booth. That's something within my power and my control. And so I reached out to the county voting registrar office and I was like, hey, I'm an artist. <laughs> and I'm doing this collaboration with the Japanese American National Museum around empathy and democracy. Could I borrow a couple of voting booths? And they were like, sure. I was like, oh, I'm going to call myself an artist way more often now. <laughs> and, and then it was this beautiful invitation from Arlene to literally express myself, not just through the words, but through this art installation and, and invite the plant to be present so that we could pause and greet this plant and have the plant in many ways greet us. And so when we had our second sort of series and we were thinking about like who we wanted to invite, immediately I was like, I know who we need to invite. And Leah Andress, who is a dear friend, a uh, longtime activist, um, and in the last several years, a co-founder and CEO of a software technology firm focused on democracy and leadership. And so when Arlene extended the invitation for me to express myself as an artist, I was like, well, that's an invitation that we can share with Leah, which is, can you be an artist tonight? And what is the art of practicing democracy? And really, because this is something that we often forget. Democracy is something that we have to create each and every day. It's not something that's actually inherited and set down in tablet and stone. It's something that we actually have to live and embody. And so the question then becomes, like, how do we do that? How do we live and embody the practice of democracy? And so to answer the question, I'm going to pull a card. <laughs> so where you this is real time folks I'm going to flip them upside down and I'll let you pick This is wildflower and it says trust trust that all shall be well Can you allow space for resolutions to emerge even in difficult situations Trust that all shall be well. Can you allow space for resolutions to emerge even in difficult situations? Yeah, that's my truth. And it's really muscular and challenging to do that. Um, it's not easy to trust. I would love for you to also define like how, what is democracy from your perspective? And, and you run a technology company that's not just here in the U.S. It's uh, it's worldwide. It's uh, presidential campaigns have been led on it around the world. And so it, it really, you know, technology is this new uh, and very growing uh, tool. Um, but it's a tool. Like I think the way I talk about technology sometimes it's like how I imagine early humans were with fire. Like, oh, fire, very cool. And then they like burn down a forest. And like, oh, I just need a small fire to cook a meal, right? We're like, ooh, technology, cool. And then we burn down democracy. And we're like, actually, no, we just need a little bit of technology or something for us to solve our problems. 
I had this opportunity to collaborate um, with Jim Gilliam, who's um, our founder, my co-founder, and a brilliant technologist. And, uh, you know, he was an engineer and, and really gifted. And so <laughs> we joined forces, um, you know, to build a company and an organization. And for me, it was really about answering the question, like, how do you scale equipping people? Because for me, I was sort of used to traveling and being in different spaces and trying to equip uh, in whatever way I could be helpful, folks on the ground, wherever they might be. And this idea of marrying educational infrastructure and practice alongside technological infrastructure was really compelling to me. And so that's what we've been doing for the last 12 plus years somehow. And I think because the premise of Nation Builder is, you know, infrastructure that helps leaders around the world build community and, and organize and really lead. It's inextricably linked with democratic practice. That's we're building the infrastructure for democracy. And so it's very ingrained in the, in the work, this idea that moving people to action, forming community and leading those communities so that they can do something, they can create change. And so for me, when I think about the definition to try to circle all the way back to where you were, yes, it's, first of all, the least violent form of government currently known to humans, as in architecture. It's a system. It's institutions. It's also an idea. It lives in our imaginations. It has to. But to your point, when we first started talking and, and we were in the conversation around democracy and empathy, for me, I was like, we have to. I want to be in spaces where we're talking about the practice, not as just being, and I think we should transform voting booths, everything that you just said about what's possible there and how that shifts our imagination. And we have to help reimagine the daily life of a democratic practitioner because it is not just running for office or voting in, you know, once every few years. It is Every single day when we're encountering our, you know, fellow human beings out in the world, it's it's the choices that we make about how to engage with them in a pluralistic democratic society. And I think one thing I'll say briefly is that, you know, it, it can seem far away like this, this, if, if you want to frame it as um, as a fight between democracies and authoritarianism, it can seem far away. But the data is really clear about what happens when citizens practice, like when we're engaged and participating and doing our thing and building communities and showing up. It can actually turn the tide in countries that have slid into authoritarianism. That's the thing that helps them come back and be considered democracies. When institutions fail, it's actually civil society that can pull countries back from having slid into authoritarianism, it's that's extraordinary. We have so much power. We have so much power. I'm curious about because when things fail, right, you talk about what's slipping into sort of authoritarianism or, or what have you. Oftentimes it's power, right, uh, and fear, Absolutely. right? And I think part of what I've come to appreciate about the practice of gratitude is when I first started with gratitude, it was like pause, notice something good. And that really just on my own personal as a founder and entrepreneur as well, like 
you have a go, go, go sort of mindset and just pausing and noticing good was like, oh, I can actually be a little bit more patient. I can be a little bit more kind. And as my practice of gratitude has deepened it, my definition of gratitude has evolved. So at first it was sort of like pause, make good visible. And then it was like, oh, okay, I'm actually making a lot of things invisible, right? Because what we make invisible, we take for granted. And so then my practice was like, oh, fearless gratitude. And this is why we have the fearless gratitude garden here is really the practice of becoming aware of what am I making visible and what I'm making invisible and not judging it as good or bad. It's just, this is maybe where a little bit of my fear is hiding and how do I sort of bring that in the shadow into the light and my definition of gratitude then evolved because it was this isn't just really about the practice of making good visible this is really about the practice of noticing with my heart how do we do that you know how do we notice when our with our hearts when we see what's happening around the world right now where there is violence there is sort of this desire to react with violence right when we talked this morning you know you said something about i just feel afraid so how do we pause just to notice our emotions and what is that sort of experience like for you so you mentioned obviously the violence is happening right now and that's i mean i think that's part of what happened for me with the drumming is just wanting to cry um which has been, you know, really present for two weeks. So um, the thing that I think is so important for us to hold collectively is that human beings will not endorse or advocate for violence against another group until they have dehumanized that group. Dehumanization is a prerequisite for violence because if we're going to be in spaces many of which are fraught and really um, difficult to navigate. One of the most important things we can do is in order to hopefully honor someone else's humanity is honor our own. And so that pause that you're talking about, that muscle to be able to say, what am, whoa, what just happened for me? What am I experiencing right now? I think that that first um, it's hard to listen. It's hard to ask good questions. It's hard to even speak authentically if we're first not present with what's going on for us. Omar, I have known you for a while and we met in the context of doing, you know, work together. And I, I, if I were to have guessed which of my friends and colleagues in, in, you know, the movement, so to speak, was going to at some point help to co-create a beautiful company, community organization, art project about gratitude, it would not have been you, <laughs> my friend. I think the reason being, right, is that you were really focused on what I would consider like the headspace, like you were deeply good at, gifted at strategy, very incisive. There was sometimes an edge to that incisiveness that was both clarifying and like sharp and this journey you've been on, I would love to hear how you came to the place where you recognized and are experiencing the clarity around practice in the way that you're practicing, not just with gratitude, but I would say like your own self 
discovery and, and journey. How did you come to that? Because I think when, when in the, the heat of building and doing and creating and, and everything that, that, you know, you were doing when running organizations, how did that happen? Well, when you, when you hit your head against the wall enough times, you realize like, Hmm, this wall's not moving. And, and I wasn't, I was accomplishing things in the external world that we're supposed to, the right schools, the right jobs, the right titles. Um, but I wasn't the human being that I wanted to be. I wasn't the dad that I wanted to be. I wasn't the husband that I wanted to be. I wasn't the leader that I wanted to be. And so I felt like something had to shift. And so for me, it was like, I'm willing to walk away, and I did, from a lot of those things. Um, there's a great book um, by uh, the columnist David Brooks called Second Mountains. And so I was on the top of a mountain. And I was like, well, this isn't as cool as everybody said it was going to be. And so I decided to walk down. And and that practice was a practice, right? And it's like, what is it that you can do? And just for anybody who is into habits, reminders, routine, rewards, like what are those things that you can do each and every day? It was my 49th birthday um a couple months ago, and I saw this mural on the wall, and it said, dream, believe, achieve. And I was like, well, that feels very familiar. I've done that a lot in my life. But in this stage of my life, I want to do it differently. And three, two things came to me. One was, what's it look like to dream beyond what I can achieve? And then second was, what's it look like to dream, believe, receive? To move from a place of achievement and into a place of receiving because you trust that word that you picked, you trust in the abundance of the universe. The scarcity is a mindset, right? Not enough. I'm not enough. Never enough. Who's good enough? We dehumanize ourselves oftentimes more than we dehumanize others. And so what does it look like to live with that compassion and to live with the shadows that we each hold and to be like, hey, that's part of my beauty too, though, right? If I could like wave a magic wand, right, of moving from this illusion of separation, right? Like this is why nature is so important to the gratitude blooming work because it reminds us that everything is interconnected, right, and that we're not alone. Like that's the big myth is that we're alone and separate uh, in our either suffering or in our joy or our accomplishments. Um, and when we sort of then all of a sudden, you know, I was, we were just in Guatemala and we had an opportunity to stay with this Mayan family and the host mother started talking about Mayan cosmology and she said, we believe in harmony. Everything is connected. So, if the water is clean, then I am clean. If the trees are healthy, then we're healthy. And so the great myth of humanization and dehumanization is that we are separate. And and when we realize that we harm someone else, we're harming ourselves. Right? That's to me is that, that constant sort of reminder of like I am in community. I am part of something greater than myself. That's what gratitude is. Like gratitude is that constant reminder that I am part of something bigger than myself.
If we just ask someone a question that's ideally open-ended, like a how or a what question, then, you know, you shared it. And then our, the, the ideal situation is that there's someone on the receiving end who's basically just saying, tell me more. And we just got to hear beautiful wisdom from you. And I think that's the dream, right? Is that together we can create that space for each other to feel heard. I don't know how many of you feel like you could remember the last time that you were truly heard, not just like listened to kind of where someone's then maybe trying to solve the problem with you or for you or flips it back to them and makes it about themselves or, you know, tells you it's going to be fine or whatever. But actually you there's a lot of power in just asking a question that you don't know the answer to or have any judgment on what the person's going to say and make it really open and then listening to them. And, you know, you can do that. Obviously we do that through our body language and, um, you know, like it sounds like you had a really clear moment in your journey where you were like, I'm not the, you know, partner, father, leader that I want to be. And I'm going to do something about it. That reminder is that we can do something about it. Right. Like we can actually make you are helping to build a company and a culture just unto nation builder. Right. That is practicing to speaking from I statements. Right. Listening with that sort of empathy, asking questions that are open ended, um, not where you're trying to lead someone to the answer that you think is necessary for them. I don't know if you all noticed this, but I was I did a thing which was. I just reflected back to Omar something he said earlier and used the sentence stem. It sounds like this. And then he was able to keep talking. So we're going to try that on as well as we get into this with some of those like sentence stems that can just really help create space for folks. I think we talked about this on a couple of the podcasts that like it's really hard for me to reach, reach across the aisle or reach across a room to somebody who I feel does not think I should be here. So how, using the tools that you use, how would you go about doing that? Or how can I begin that process of reaching out? That's a deep one to start with, just to say. I, I mean, my first response is like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You know what I mean? So like, if that's genuinely you're moved to do that and to have that conversation, that's a beautiful thing. And also we have to trust our own in our own timing. So it may not be that moment, you know, if it is, um, the thing I think that's beautiful about the open-ended question vibe is that it's just about curiosity. So for example, if you're with somebody that you deeply disagree with showing up with like, I want to tell me more, like, how did you, how did you get there? What's your journey been like that has you sitting here? Um, just that openness. It's, it's, um, and just for, for like pro tip, um, any question that we ask that starts with is our do or did, like, did you blah, 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 do you, this is, you know, it's a yes or no answer. So like, do you agree with so-and-so, you know? And so if you're genuinely coming for sitting in a place of inquiry and you like want to have that conversation with that person and again, like honor your own, like if it really, you really want to, 
then that place of curiosity and, and, and asking how they got where they got or what happened in their, in their, you know, journey such that they're there or anything. What, how vibes? Who hurt you in life? <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever's coming through. I will say too, like, just for on the tactical, like, the technically why is also an open-ended question. It's just can, you know, we, we get a lot of whys and so people sometimes feel, you know, put on the spot or defensive. Yeah, yeah. it can feel really defensive. That was a great question. Oh, thank you. The premise of democracy and that the democratic practice is like we, we're all here. We're all here. So if we're all here, then we have to pull each other closer because the only other thing is we're pushing each other away further and further into the margins or into the show, however you want to articulate that. And so like the hope is what does it take to pull each other closer? And the first thing is to acknowledge like, I don't want to be around those people. You know what I mean? Like, no, thank you. Um, and I don't want to be in the same space, especially if we feel afraid or we feel like they don't want us, you know, what you just named. So, well, I think it, it was from the podcast with Simon Sinek where some of this really germinated this idea of, in a democracy, we're all supposed to move together, and yet right now it feels like we're just very willing to leave people behind so that I can get where I want to go. 100%. And, and I, can I just say, like, that's my great, my fear when Omar and I were talking about this earlier, because that's where a lot of, you know, extremism, particularly political extremism and radicalization happens. And so it can literally be the difference between someone going down a rabbit hole and we can't like get to them and our ability to invite. And it takes a lot to do that. And I'm again, we have to like check what works for us in that moment, if that's even possible. And, you know, also being communication with our community and being like, I am not there right now. Someone else needs to do that. So, um, but that motion, I don't know another way. Like if I knew another way, I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. Let's do that. But I, I don't know another way, you know, cause like when we throw people away, there's no way. Thank you, Leah and Jim for modeling the discovery that can come from the discomfort of, you know, not knowing what's going to emerge in the moment of a question. And so, um, now what we're going to do is actually really practice, um, being present for each other. Like how can we really listen to the people that are next to us? And many of us are coming with people that we already know. So our hope is that you can um, discover something new about each other just by listening in this new way. This conversation is particularly important. Um, for me, you know, I steward land in a rural area in Northern California where um, I constantly feel like I'm out of place and it's been really interesting to, um, humanize people who I politically strongly disagree with, but they're like my plumber. They're my contractor, you know? And so this is very real to me, um, right, you know, in the life that I live and, and many of us are coming with people that we know well. And so this feels, you know, safer. Um, and, you know, this is an invitation to practice with people that you're close with to eventually um, take another step, you know, someone that you might not feel comfortable with. How can you listen 
to their human experience in this new way. So this is really the invitation to practice in this safe space and then to try this with someone on the street or someone that, you know, you're like, oh, they kind of get on my nerves. How can I listen to them differently and see what happens? Um, so this is the invitation for now and beyond. And just to plant a seed, just connecting with this theme of fearless gratitude. You have 10 themes in your packet. And I invite you to start the conversation with another person um, by just sharing, you know, the card that resonates with you. And as the person that's listening, like really hear the person that's speaking and ask an open-ended question related to what they're saying and notice what comes up when you hear that response from asking a question that you don't really have the answer to um, as a form of being present and seeing each other in a new way. Hello, I'm Sorsha. Uh, I feel like I kind of had like a little bit of a leg up because I work at Nation Modern and we practice this every day. Um, but we, I picked vulnerability as the card. Um, and in the conversation, it was really helpful to reflect back on when I feel safe being vulnerable and when I don't, um, and how that shows up in workspaces and non-workspaces, because I was in conversation with one of my colleagues. Um, so yeah, thank you. I'm Sultry. Um, I'm an avid gratitude blooming uh, fan and uh, practitioner for the last uh, what four years now. So I also got vulnerability. So you made me courageous in sharing once I heard yours. But it felt like a conversation where we weren't thinking about what we had to say next or how we could be of support. It didn't feel performative. It felt like we were both very present and I felt seen and heard. So. Thank you. And I see you. Hi, I'm Kim. Um, I was in a work conversation. I work in philanthropy and I was in a work conversation where I was um, pushing for the idea that a, a couple of set of grants needed to really focus on black students and got a little bit of pushback and walked out of the conversation not certain whether I had been heard at all. <laughs> uh, and then the next day we walked into a staff meeting and uh, the leader of our team walked in and said, I have slept on it and this is what we're doing. We're going to go forward on this and center black students, um, which was great. And part of what made it feel heard was it wasn't just a platitude sandwich. It was a here's the word the road forward with action. I'm a fairly anxious person, and often I'm in my head about how I seem, how people are, are seeing me, and uh, the act of genuinely asking a question out of curiosity and wanting to hear the response and hearing like such a beautiful response and taking it in, it completely takes me, it, it calms my my soul and my mind. Um, and so it's a nice reminder to truly listen uh, to someone else because it is calming for one's anxiety. I'm Jennifer and I was in a work training recently and they said that um, 
when folks are listening, um, generally the natural things we tend to do is we tend to first listen for similarities, like something that vibes with something that we know. Or we listen to try to prepare ourselves for what we're going to say, and that there is something called transformative listening, um, where you really just kind of absorb what the person is saying, and you try to be ultra super present. And that's essentially what I tried to do in speaking with Gail, who I adore, um, to just make sure, even though I heard some things, I was like, oh, I, I recognize that. I know somebody who did that, too. I didn't. But to just sort of let's let me just hear and be present and just take in everything that she says. I love the fearlessness in the room. <laughs> yes. So I got the card growth. And for me, at least, growth connects a lot to learning. Um, and last year I had a teacher who, my English teacher, who I did not agree with on a lot of things. But no matter what I said in class or how our opinions differed, I always felt like he listened and was open to new ideas, which I think is really important and helpful, especially in, in a, from an educational standpoint. Um, and I was talking to him recent, recently, and he, he was saying, oh, I like how you add your characters, because I'm writing a short story, um, and how their personalities help round them, but also cause problems for them and a person. And I think, especially connecting to growth, how a person changes and how they are is what makes them whole and what makes them grow. Thank you. Thank you. Proud dad moment right there. <laughs> Those reflections were amazing. And I think just a reminder that, you know, democracy isn't somewhere out there. It's like, right here and we're we're creating it together so just thank you and thank you all for for having me thank you for coming so my expectation for the first podcast was that we would leave with all the problems of the world solved like it was going to be an hour and a half and we would be get, getting ready for our nobel prize <laughs> and that's not how it happens um just like flowers it takes time to grow and bloom um but i think some of the stuff that we talked about today and especially the conversation that you two had is the evolution of, of this conversation of beginning, you know, we kind of level set this process for the podcast and, and what and how we were going to approach this. And I think this conversation and the next two to come, the next one's in February, February 10th. Uh, so mark your calendars, uh, is a starting to make these connections and making and understanding how everything is interconnected, how we help people see things differently. Because with that, they will think differently. And if they think differently, they feel differently. And when they feel differently, they will act differently. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to get to. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please tell your friends, your family. Uh, look for us on social media. Democracy at Janum uh, is the Democracy Center's uh, Instagram. And I think across all of our social platforms. Shoji... Do you want to introduce everybody real quick? Because I don't think we had a chance to do that. To my right, we have Ann Hunter Ishikawa on vibraphone, Abe Lagrimas Jr. on ukulele, Masato Baba on fue, and then this is Sumie Kaneko all the way from New York. She will be singing and playing this uh, beautiful instrument here. This is called the koto.